Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. In this episode, we're going to talk about this part of you that is trying to speak and you really, really need to hear what it's saying. That's what you got coming up in this episode. Before I get started, I want to give a very, very special, special shout out to a few dear friends of mine, Mama Ray, Maddie, and Vivian. Her two beautiful daughters, smart, intelligent, and talented. Just wanted to say hi to them this evening. They're tuning in to watch Big Papa, and uh, Big Papa says, hey, girls, hey. So, all right, I hope everyone had a fantastic day. So I was talking to head parenting coach, Christy, today, and she was talking about the Fear to Love book study that she's doing. Hey, Missy. How you doing? Hey, Mama Post. She's talking about the Fear to Love Big Study that she's doing and she this, this kind of breakthrough that she'd had with one of her parents during one of the studies, one of the courses, and it was, and she, the message, the me, she sent me a text, the message was helping, she helped the mom get to the message of her heart, of what her heart was saying. And I thought that was so profound and important. And it reminded me of a coaching call I did with with a a parent today in talking to her 20-year-old daughter. And this is is a 20-year-old with a very, very early trauma history. And what I was saying to the mom is that you have to connect with her when she is in that state of dysregulation and upset emotions, you have to connect with her in a way that she feels you. It's not enough for you just to speak the words. She has to feel you. That, that, and what I, my exact words to her were, you have to access the pain within you to speak to the pain within her. And then Christy, hi Jill. Christy said, that she had helped this parent work through some of her head discourse to get to the authentic message of her heart. And I thought, you know, that is really, really important. And that's what, that's what I am oftentimes encouraging you as parents to do when you, when I am, when I'm talking about meeting your child in that vulnerable place, meeting them in that hurtful place. And maybe you've heard me tell a story of when I was with a child and and he was in the midst of his upset and I just got so emotional that I just started crying as I expressed my frustration about all the pain that he'd gone through and my anger about him being mistreated. It's getting through the head talk to get to the real authentic heart message and this is important. And this is, this is, the message is always there. And this is something I, this is why I want you to listen. 
and and you may even have to ask the question, hey, Heidi, you may even have to ask the question, what is my heart really wanting to say to my child? So in the midst of a really challenging situation, ask yourself the question in this moment, because I, you know, I'm always encouraging you to slow down. Because there's nothing that has to happen right in this moment. That's what stress tells you needs to happen. Stress tells you something has got to take place right in this moment. I really want you in the slowing down, in the breathing, in the three to ten deep breaths, in the choosing love. I want you to ask yourself the question. And sometimes it will help to put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart, and that's something we do in our in my, my parent camps, my therapist camps, mapping the body, connecting to the emotion in the body. And you place your hand on it to center you in that emotion even deeper, to ground you into that emotion. So you put your hand on your heart, and sometimes you close your eyes, and you say, you say to yourself, and, and I would say, I would encourage you to even speak directly to your heart. Speak directly to your heart. What is the authentic message of my heart? What is my heart wanting to communicate to my child? And in the, Christ, in, in the example that Christy shared with me, the message that the parent received was, I miss you. The video games get more time with you than I do. And I miss my time with you. How often do we have that authentic, heartfelt communication with our child? Or is it more times than not mired in the you get off of this because I tell you to get off of it. It's time to get off of it. I'm going to take this away. You're not listening to me. I don't like the disrespect. Don't be defiant. How often do we just stop and listen to? Because see, all that's head stuff. All that's fear-based head stuff. None of that is heart stuff. The heart is not fearful of how your child is going to turn out 10 years from now, 5 years from now. A year from now. The heart is only concerned with right now. See if you can allow yourself to stop. Think about your child. And ask your heart. What is the authentic message of my heart? What is my heart wanting to say to my child? And I... I'm always encouraging emotion. Emotion is the energy of the body. And when you are able to tap into your emotion, you are able to express an energy at so much more of a greater authentic level than just using words. Emotion is raw, it's vulnerable, and it's real. And so when you ask your heart, what is the message of my heart? What do I really, what does my heart want to say to my child? As you get quiet, feel the emotion that comes up with that answer. Listen for the answer. That may sound a little weird to some of you, but your body talks to you. 
Your body is telling you things all the time. All you've got to do is get quiet and listen. So listen for the answers. See what your heart tells you and share that with your child. And in the, the example that Christy shared with me, the story she shared with me is that the parent made the statement to her son and then she left the room. There's no expectation for an outcome. There was no, there was no, she was not looking for anything to happen. She was just making an authentic expression from her heart and she left the room and when she came back, he had put the video games away and he'd pulled out a board game so they could play together. And the mother was just, she was just in awe and in shock. And so I really want to pose that question to you. And that, that is that, that's not a challenge, is it? It's not really a challenge. It's an undertaking. I want to present that undertaking to you. I want to present that opportunity. It is an opportunity to just stop and slow down and ask yourself. And do you could do that with anyone that you love. You know, how, how beautiful is that? To just stop and just, just connect and say, what does my heart want to say? And just express that truth. Right? That's a beautiful thing. And you can start with your kids. And, and then I, I would even encourage you to express that about yourself. What is your heart saying about you? What does your heart want you to hear about you? What, what message in your heart is your heart trying to tell you? Because your body talks to you all the time. All the time. So that's all. Remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can just continue to be stressed out and react from our imprints of stress and fear and overwhelm and shock. And we can just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different outcome. And Einstein calls that the definition of insanity. Or we can stop, we can take three to ten deep breaths. We can slow down, we can find ourselves in that uncomfortable place, that unknown place, and we can stand still and we can have faith that love really can make everything okay. And you really can speak an authentic message from your heart. And it really can be heard, it will be heard. It is not a message that can just be blown away because it carries emotion with it. And in the process, you're choosing love. So I hope you guys have a fantastic Friday. I hope you have a lovely weekend. I hope you have fun. I hope you enjoy one another. Remember the opposite. The opposite to secure attachment is stress and then there's joy. You got to have joy. You've got stress. You got to have joy. So I hope you have a fantastic Friday evening. I hope you wake up tomorrow, Saturday, refreshed and ready for a wonderful, wonderful Saturday. Big Papa loves you. God bless you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com. Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose.
having behavior challenges um, is a real deal because we feel um, that public eye and we can feel that judgment. And actually, uh, I think we're more than anything, we're picking up on the anxious energy of the people around us. Because let's think about it. Um, most of us, well, this is kind of how our little brains work. When things start happening and, you know, the whole when we stress, we regress that Brian teaches us that, you know, our brains just start getting very active. The cortisol starts pumping out and our child's misbehaving and then our anxiety starts to heighten. And we all sort of have this parental voice that's not us. It's someplace out there in the universe and we all have it. So then you have every adult in the environment hearing a parental voice that this is not okay, that this is really not okay. And it's so not okay that it even is like you're a bad parent if your child is struggling when you're in public, that your children should know how to act when they're in public. But in fact, public is one of the most challenging places because there's all this stimulation right? You're in the grocery store and there's the lights and the smells and the colors and they put everything that's wonderful and off limits to children right at the child level. Like, man, they just really stack the odds against us. <laughs> so today I just want to talk about that a little bit. And Joni, thank you. <laughs> I know a lot of times I hop on here and I'm just, you know, we're just keeping it real. So I appreciate that compliment. I really do. Um, so I want to just talk a little bit about some strategies um, for public situations. First of all, um, some things that my daughter taught me, and then uh, later she reminded me. Um, one, if at all possible, uh, make sure that you are at your best when you're getting ready to go to the store, meaning that you're not tired and cranky already, you're not already hungry, Make sure everybody has a snack before you go. Um, <laughs> Marley was the one, uh, I remember her telling me, Mom, make sure we eat. Make sure we have a snack before we go to the store so you don't get too cranky. Um, it was beautiful for her to be able to be helpful like that. So that puts you in a position to help your child, help them cope with all of the things that are super enticing. So... That's the first step is to, you know, if, if at all possible, when at all possible, and get your rest or be rested and make sure you have had something to eat before you go to the store so that you're at your best to help them cope with all the stimulation that's coming at them. And the other thing um, that I have found helpful is if you pretty well know that you're going to off while you're at the store, um, a lot of times we do this thing where we offer it like a reward. Like if you're good at the store, you'll get something at the end of the trip. So then we're setting the stage for a lot of anxiety already going in. And then they've got to contain that excitement while they're in a situation that's already very stimulating with all these wonderful things right at their little fingertips. And We don't always realize it's a setup. So um, that's the setup piece is because they're already excited and it's already very stimulating. And so it's increasing the likelihood that they're not going to be able to maintain behavior to get the prize that you have offered. 
So instead, let them pick something out first. Go ahead and indulge their need to look at all the stuff and, you know, pick out whatever they're going to get. And that way, while they're riding in the cart, they can be looking at their wonderful new thing while you are getting the groceries purchased. The other thing is when they're really, really little and they're in that cart, that's a great time to educate, you know, just to be going through the store and looking at this and, you know, you get to talk about the colors and you get to talk about the vegetables and the fruits and where they come from and the, you know, if, it, if you eat meat and you're talking about the chicken and the hamburger meat and where it comes from, I mean, it's just a tremendous opportunity for education and I strongly encourage it. That in itself can be a lot of fun for your children. Um, and a lot of times um, that's something that we know or we think of with little little kids, like two, three, four. But sometimes our bigger kids haven't really had those experiences. And so, um, you know, as much as we can have our patients cap on and have time, to be able to go through the grocery store and as we sense them regressing and getting, you know, busy, 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 you know, to use those things that um, that we might have used when they were two or three or four to, you know, just teaching and, um, and sharing, I think is uh, mostly they just want to be engaged. You know, the grocery store is all this stimulation and you're distracted because you're trying to buy your groceries. And so that's that's the part where it's like I'm on my, I'm on my mission to get our groceries and you're on your mission to um, to I'm sorry, Joni made a comment to get to they're on their mission to just have fun and be kids because that's what they do. And you're on your mission to get groceries. And those two missions are going in two opposite directions. And so the more you can bring those two together, and that means your awareness of what their need is, they're not just intentionally being um, annoying. <laughs> you know, it's a setup. You know, the setup is that there's all the colors and all the lights. It's very stimulating, and they put all the things that they know parents are going to be like, no, you can't have that, no, you can't have that. They put all of that right at eye level for our kids. And so we have to really embrace what their challenge is at the store and as we can get a little bit closer to them and their need then we can help them sort of meet our need too and it makes me think about um, a conversation I recently had with a parent in a coaching session and um, she described a situation at a restaurant which you know again another public place um, stimulation with regards to food especially many of our kids have um, sort of, uh, let's just call it, they're just highly excitable around food. It could be that they have um, food sensitivities. It could be texture and taste. There could be, you know, conflicts that you've had and trying to get them to eat this or that. And so they get to the restaurant and when we stress, we regress. And the next thing you know, you have a 10, 11, 12 year old who's climbing under the table and flipping upside down and doing things that you would expect more from a toddler. So remember, Brian always reminds us to parent the emotional age that's being presented. So uh, bring out those old-fashioned games. Take your paper and your pencil. Um, play hangman. That's one of my favorites. Or joint drawing, you know, like where you draw a piece and then they draw a piece. And then, you know, just... Bring out some of those, maybe tic-tac-toe, some of those things that uh, that you can do to pass the time 
because that's part of the part of the struggle is they are excited and anxious about what's going to happen this food that's coming is it going to be good but you know it's just a lot there's just a lot there it's just a lot and so uh, as they regress then we just have to be prepared to parent the age that we are experiencing and um i what i thought was really fun about the conversation is incredible parent. I mean, she's just really amazing and super dynamic. But in that moment, she got a little locked up too in terms of her creative thinking. And, um, you know, generationally, I take a lot of things from my mom and she's now in her 70s. And so I have like in my in my parenting tool chest, I have all these like old fashioned kind of things where you don't have to have Wi-Fi and you don't have to have your phone to be able to keep yourself and your kids entertained while you're in a situation where they're getting anxious and stressed and they're losing their patience and their window of tolerance is closing down and they're becoming a toddler before your very eyes. And so I encourage you to um, remember the things that you did when you were little you know, things that your parents may have done with you to help pass the time. It could be I spy. It could be, remember the alphabet game where you would find the letters in order around the room or uh, maybe when you were driving, that was a big driving game for us. 20 questions, that was always a fun one. I'm just tossing these out there as they're popping in my head. Um, and I'm sure you have um, you have some of those too. And so those little old-fashioned games really come in handy because when our kids stress, they regress. And so being able to notice that and meet those needs as they're coming up can be really helpful. Um, Joni says, great idea. Instead of the no and the check outline, pre-plan. Yes. You know, it's all about sort of pre-planning. And I remember actually um, having this real strong awareness when uh, Marley was little that here's, here is a child going to the store with her mom. And there's this basket full of things that I am picking out. Now, granted, I realize I am shopping for our family, but all she sees is what I'm doing, right? I'm picking things out to purchase and take home. Why would she not think that would be something she would want to do too? So I realized that from her eyes, it's like, well, I want to do that too. I want to pick something out and put it in the cart. And so create, we would, I would create situations where she would get to pick. So it might be that she would pick out some of the apples or she would pick out, you know, I'd be like, we need five apples. So I'm going to get three and I want you to pick out two. And then I'd show her like, you know, look for ones that don't have little holes in them and don't have little soft spots and you know, sometimes we wouldn't make a big deal out of it and just pick whatever two apples. But, you know, you get the idea. Um, and then um, the other thing is for all of us as adults that when when we see a parent and child struggling or a child struggling and the parent trying to help them, if we could just all take a deep breath and remember that we've been there, um, that everybody needs to learn. It's like um, <laughs> Marla was telling me that um, she's been watching videos about driving because she's getting ready to be driving. And she told me that in, I think it's in New Amsterdam. I could be wrong. Maybe Australia. That's what she told me. In Australia, 
um, drivers who are who have their permit but not their driver's license, they have like a great big pink P that they or red P that they put on the front and the back windshields of the car, so that the other cars around them know that this is a person who has their permit, and they are learning. So we don't need to honk at them. We don't need to get short fused with them. We need to give them grace. Give them lots of, and space, right? <laughs> we need to give them grace and space because everybody went through a process of learning at one time. And I think that's like the coolest idea ever. But if we could just take that same idea and expand that to like all of our kids, to our kids when they're struggling in public and our fellow parents when they're working with their kids to try to help them maintain with all that stimulation. If we could just have that grace and give that energy of, I believe in you. It's not necessarily an energy that says, I agree with you because you don't know what you may be agreeing to, but you can certainly have an energy that says, I know you can work this out. It's all gonna be okay. You know, just an, it's all going to be okay. We understand. We understand as we're adults walking this earth, we understand that children have to go through learning phases. And sometimes those learning phases happen right in the middle of the grocery store and they struggle and they cry and they might even throw a great big ball of expression, expressed emotions because they're so upset about how unfair all of this is. And as adults, if we can just extend grace at that, and that energy that says that's okay, that child, you know, we can teach that child. That child can learn how to take some deep breaths. That child can learn how to be in public without it being so scary and overwhelming. And if we have that energy more than we have that critical eye, that's going to help so much more. So uh, that's it. Just kind of some wild ramblings today. Um, I hope there's something in it that's helpful. I know that being in public and having challenges um, that's hard for our kids too. You know, it's hard for them. They don't, they don't want to be in the grocery store and have all of it just come out all over the place. It's just hard, you know, and they're doing the best that they can. And, you know, sometimes we just have to step back and analyze it. You know, it's like Brian said, Z's the behavior. And so let's just backtrack and find out what, you know, did I miss something at M? Was there a red flag at M that I should have paid heed to that could have maybe kept us from getting to Z? Or um, maybe we need to look back and go, okay, so we consistently have challenges around this particular situation. Uh, let's break it down and see what we could do different. Let's see if we can do something creative and different than how we usually do it because you know, that whole giving the prize at the end of the trip, that's just an old paradigm. That's a paradigm that says, I'm going to reward your good behavior and your bad behavior. I'm going to punish by not giving you something as opposed to saying, how can I set this situation up for my child so that they have the best chance of being able to maintain their emotional regulation in spite of all the stimulation that's around them? And then from that position, create a plan about how uh, how we're going to go to the grocery store and how we're going to do this and what's going to be our routine that's going to be in the best interest of all the people that are involved. 
So um, maybe just take that last piece and then you could cut that out and apply it to just about any situation you might be struggling with. Join us live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.